0: This morning, turning your Scriptures as we start out to Mark twelve thirty through 31 We're in a summer series about relationship. How many of you are currently in a relationship? Raise your hand. Seriously, everybody should be raising your, their hand. Either you have a parent, or you have a sibling, or you're married, or you know Jesus Christ, or you work for somebody... You know, unless you're Hal, the computer, even Hal had a, had a relationship. wasn't very healthy, but he had a relationship. This morning, I thought I'd start off by helping you understand how our society sees relationships. We're going to have some fun with this, and we're going to find out exactly where the tenor is of our people compared to culture. Alright, so I, I went out and I searched for three top ten lists. Today is all about the reward of relationship. How many of you feel rewarded in your relationships? How many of us were thinking about a future relationship at some point in time? We thought, how rewarding that would be, right? And then we get into that relationship, and we're like, yeah, it's pretty rewarding, but yeah, you know, five years, ten years, fifteen years down the line, I'm not thinking about rewards anymore. I'm thinking about points. no. So this morning, I thought I'd I'd see where you all are on this. So let's start out with reminding us that we're talking about real relationships. And we're going to use this idea, this, this matrix, if you will, that real stands for, number one, rewarding, engaging, authentic, and loving. That is a great matrix to measure all of your relationships with. How do you have a real relationship, rather than the shallow relationships that our culture our society is trying to thrust upon us remember expect there to be a rewarding relationship if it's not a rewarding relationship and that's a tricky word we're going to look at exactly what that means today you probably shouldn't be involved in it right you're kind of throwing the pearls before the swine why why would you do that but you may be thinking something different when i say rewarding so we're going to clarify that today so as we go through this remember evaluate think through how are my relationships and and what can i change what can i do differently or what could others do differently to me does that resonate a little bit better yeah let's go that direction shall we here we go that has nothing to do with the message i just thought it was cute and i put it up on the screen just to get you guys lathered up for where we're going i think the mouse is about to be eaten by the cat It's natural selection. And what's with the dog? The dog is like Satan dog. It has white eyes. It's kind of scary. Let's move on from that. All right, top ten list. How many of you like top ten lists? So based off of these two pictures, what do you think this top ten list is? Hmm. Top ten things women want in a relationship. All right? Now I've totally stereotyped this, haven't I? Haven't I? Haven't I? Let's just be honest. Women, when you're out with your man and you're shopping, does he look for the nearest bench to sit? I'm not talking the grocery store. Maybe you are doing that in the grocery store. I don't know. But in uh, those like over the age of 40, maybe the video game thing doesn't resonate for you. But uh, Well, let's just see what women, their top 10 list. And by the way, this is off the internet, so it's true. Okay. Alright, number one, spontaneity. They want spontaneity. Women, would you agree? Raise your hand if you agree. Okay, some of you are like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a routine person, on the dot, don't mess with my schedule, man. Two, respect. They want respect. Little R-E-S-P-E-C-T, women. Yeah. Number three, they want surprises. (laughs) so you know no no don't want surprise what's a surprise bringing home a great dane that could be a surprise that's happening with someone in our church oh what number four on the list for women is sex what kind of a place is this The pastor just said sex from the pulpit get over it this is what the internet said it must be true you guys you women are like please hit the next button quick you men are too. Okay, number five, romance. Oh, we got a yeah, we got a, oh yeah. Okay, we got better move on. It's getting a little uh, steamy in here. Okay, time. Women want our time, men. How about that? How many men in the room concur with that? You, you really believe that women want our time? Yes, men, you should raise your hands if you want to keep the bruising at a minimum. Okay, uh, good communication. So, men, words like, yes, dear. That's good communication. You look fantastic. Consistency. Consistent good communication. All right? And number nine, humor. They want humor. The ladies want the humor. What do you do if you're not a funny guy? Mm. You're sunk. Yeah. Yeah. Try to get some jokes off the internet. No, don't. Don't do that either. Uh, ten, fun. They want a man that's fun. Now, you got to know, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? Where's the reward? So this is what women say is the reward for them in relationship. All right? How many of you women have something else you would put on the list? One, two, three, four, five. Isn't it interesting? Money's not on there anywhere nowhere let's see what the men say all right let's see what the top 10 list is for men look at how happy they are they're so happy they are so rewarded in their relationship top 10 things men want in a relationship let's just get honest here i don't care whether it's the internet or this room okay it's the truth moving on honest reactions well number one was honest okay so, honest reactions, and uh, do you guys know what, what, do you think you know what the men mean by that, women? <laughs> Just even by doing that, that's the, you know, I think maybe you probably do, but you're playing like you don't, and that may be the issue that we're talking Okay, moving on. Compliments. How many of you women, oh, listen to that, oh, oh.
1: How many of you men would
0: like a compliment every once in a while? Yeah. Okay, if you did not raise your hand as a man in here, you're not getting any compliments the rest of your life, okay? Uh, Laughter. Okay, they want laughter. What guy doesn't want laughter? With that, yes. Now, look, number two and number four are not mutually compliant, maybe. Maybe. But somehow get that laughter in there, all right? Acceptance. Men need to be accepted, right? All right. Honesty. They want honesty out of their their ladies, all right? Space. Man needs a space. <laughs> we we just did a jumbling of our cars to uh, to offset some things and and get better gas mileage and all that stuff, and so we went from a car that I had plenty of space in to a Mini Cooper, and which, you know, I actually had somebody, I actually had somebody say, does the car tilt when you're in it? (laughs) Yeah, they they actually said that, and uh, so, no, it doesn't tilt, but I will say, there's not a lot of space, not a lot of space, I'm constantly saying, Janine... Do you have enough space, dear? Do you have enough space? Uh, Number eight, communication. Did you know that? That men want communication from their women. And not the nonverbal, please. Okay? I think they want the the real, the out loud. Sometimes. Okay, moving on. Belief. A man needs to be affirmed. Needs to know that his, his wife is behind him kind of a deal. And then trust. Isn't that fascinating? Trust. Well, what if you're not married? What if you're sitting here and you're single or you're a teenager or, or um, you know, whatever? Well, I thought I'd throw another one in there about friendship. All right. Top 10 things in real friendship. This is exactly how it was titled off the article. Real friendship. Number one, focus on the good. How many of your friends focus on the good? How many of you focus on the good in your friends? All right. Number two, being real. What does that mean? In friendships, being real. Third, kindness. They want kindness in their friendships. Accepting of mistakes. Yeah. Balance of power. Are you in a a friendship like that? Where an individual wants to dominate the friendship? They have to dominate the friendship. It's interesting. Forgiveness. Seven, loyalty. Eight, room to grow. Nine, effort. And we just talked about that two weeks ago. What do you think number 10 is? Give me some ideas. All right? Family feud, you can shout out some suggestions. Price is right. What do you think 10 is for friendships? Yeah, here we go. Celebrate. They want to celebrate you. I want to be celebrated by my friends. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you've got friends, try to integrate that. Well, let's look at what Scripture says. What is the reward? We, we saw a three list there of, of how people perceive a rewarding relationship, whether it's from someone who, you know, your husband, your wife, someone of the opposite sex, uh, in, in that kind of a relationship, or whether it's a friendship relationship. Let's look and see in two Uh, Two concepts, two spans this morning we're going to focus on real briefly. Number one, the reward of relationship with Jesus. And two, the reward of relationship with others. And so that brings us to uh, this text. And, And Christ was answering the Pharisees when he spoke these words. And he was asked this question, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the fascinating thing about these words is that Later on, we see that whether it's James or or Christ Himself says that all the commandments are wrapped up in these. That if we're loving the Lord our God with all of our strength, with all of our mind, with all of our commitment, then the reward is there. the reward is that all the other things take care of themselves. Because if out of love, I obey, if out of love, I honor, if out of love I respect, then there are rewards that are bountiful in that relationship with God. The same thing happens with us with people. And so let's look at this and in, in, in kind of thinking through it, I wanted to leave you with a thought. Calvin Coolidge said this, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. Remember I told you that your concept of reward concerning relationships is going to be a little skewed going into this because our culture talks about what you receive, what you receive, what you receive. I think that's truly why we have so many disappointed people in relationship today. I'm going to show you a biblical view of reward in relationship and it really works with what Calvin Coolidge is saying. Even more so, it works with exactly what Christ said. Exactly what Christ said. So turn to Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 and we're going to talk about the reward of relationship with Jesus. Number one, as we go through this passage, I've kind of uh, exposited it to, to, say, to, to, to these several points. Number one, relationship, not religion. That's the reward of having a relationship with Christ. Number two, inclusion, not exclusion. That's a reward of having relationship with Christ. Peace and rest is a reward of having a relationship with Christ. Master and mentor is a reward. And power and position. So how does all that work? Well, the passage that we're going to work out of this morning, and my friends, there was many that I could have gone to, but... I felt God lead me to this. And and we sang the song Greater today and it fits so perfectly with Jesus' words here in Matthew. He says this, Come to Me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will what? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for My yoke is easy and my burden is light can you relate to this can you have relationship with god in this manner is this the kind of reward you're looking for there are so many other rewards the obvious reward is by having relationship with christ we are eternally given life right john 3 16 romans 10 Acts 16, on and on and on, that because of this body of sin and because of my choice of sin, I am going to experience death. I'm going to experience um, the the separation from God. The idea and, and the teaching and the veracity of hell. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. There's been hope given because of Jesus Christ. And He came so that He might have relationship with us. He came that we might become the sons of God. That we might be adopted into an eternal glory with an inheritance far outweighing anything we could possibly imagine. Ephesians 1. That is there. That reward is there. We simply have to have the faith and the desire to ask and to seek. And what does he promise? If you seek, you will what? You'll find. The question for you and I to start out this idea of reward and relationship with Jesus Christ is have you sought him? Have you sought him? Do you have that relationship with him? If you have yet to enter into relationship and experiencing that rewarding relationship that we're going to talk about, I encourage you, don't leave today without going down that path. Of seeking. Seek Him. But if you do know Him and you've entered into relationship with Him, let's break this down. How does this work? Well, number one, we're talking about relationship, not religion. And many of us have heard this before, right? We rail against the idea of religion. Listen, I'm not all that against religion. It would kind of makes sense. But I'm not against religion in the sense of what religion means, generically and, and, and by the essence of uh, its etymology of of Exactly what that word means. It means a discipline of practice. That's all that means. Right? In the month of May, I was religious with my diet. In the month of June, I... Moving on. So, in my relationship, I can practice what? Religion. But as our culture understands, sometimes we get so sucked into the idea of just systematic approach of, of... Punching the, the, the card and dotting the I's and crossing the T's, that we forego the what? The relationship. And that's why we have a ton of non rewarding, bored Christians. Because they said, I'm not interested in the reward. I'm just interested in showing up. And Jesus says, That's not what I'm interested in. And how do we know that? The very first words he says come to me. Come to me. Somebody invites you out to lunch. And they're not an Amway salesman. Do you feel appreciated? Do you feel like they're trying to start some relationship? Someone invites you into their house. Someone invites you along for vacation. Somebody invites you to a special evening out. Whatever it would be. Jesus is inviting, isn't He? He's saying, come to Me. I want relationship with you. It starts there. We could just stop and contemplate that. That Jesus Christ is saying, come to me. I want relationship with you. You know, one of the first things that we're rewarded with, remember when you wrote your first love note? All you men. Remember that? Right? It was like last week, right? Remember when you wrote your first love note and you were vulnerable and you put risk out there and you gave it to the person through a friend, probably, right? And then they read it for the entire class over the speaker system. No, 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 that didn't happen to me. But you did it at great risk, and yet, what were you waiting for? What were you waiting for? The hope. Remember how driven you were. You couldn't focus on anything else. You were probably sweating. You were probably nervous. You were probably worried and stressed out because you were so enamored with the idea of, will I get a what? A response, which is what? A reward. Don't forget that. That's the excitement in relationship, isn't it? Remember the first time, if you're married and you're in the room, remember the first time you asked out the other person? That was a risk, right? Janine, was it a risk the first time I asked you that? She said, sure. We're going to have counseling later on. Okay. The next part is inclusion, not exclusion. That when he says, come to me, he's not saying it just to a select few. He's saying what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that just a few will experience eternal life. Now, for for those in the room that are aware of the elect and are aware of predestination and all that, I believe in that fully. I just don't know how many there are. Neither do you. We know that Jesus Himself in His Word said, there will be those who will perish because they choose to go that direction. Alright? So that's as far as I'm going to go with that. I just wanted to clarify. As I'm talking about inclusion, not exclusion, the idea is simply this, is that you have the opportunity. If you're sitting in front of me right now this morning, you have the opportunity to have relationship with him, have you ever been on the outside of a party that you couldn't get into, and you were frustrated or you wanted a membership somewhere and you couldn't get there? right? Or you wanted that person to like you, and they didn't? You know here's the beautiful thing about Christ. Is he says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, not the few. Not the select. All who labor. How great is that? We live in a society that wants to parse all of us. Wants to categorize you. Wants to limit you. And you probably have felt that, haven't you? Economically. Maybe racially. Maybe uh, uh, based off of your gender. Maybe based off of your age. Maybe based off of your schooling. Whatever it would be. But Jesus says all. That's a reward, isn't it? How, how much do you value some place that is accepting whether or not you're accepted by everybody? Christ's love and relationship is for all. Next, He offers peace and rest. What does He say? He says, I will give you rest. First he says, "Come to me," and he says, "All of you who are burdened and heavy laden." And he says, "What? Here's my promise to you. I'm going to give you rest." There's relationship. I'm so blessed when when I, I've, there's occasions where I'm tired and I, I've had a long day and um, turn on Sports Center and I'm sitting in my chair and all of a sudden, this was yesterday. all of a sudden appears on my stomach a platter of food. I was tired. I was too tired to get up and go to the fridge. Isn't that pathetic? I was too tired to get up and go to the fridge and it just appeared there on my stomach. And maybe even by osmosis it would have just absorbed straight in, but It was broccoli, and cauliflower, and some peppers, and a little dipping sauce. Oh, it was so great. And it just appeared. And I was so tired, I couldn't do that for myself. And I already chose this verse. And I didn't tell my wife, but this verse came to my mind. This is great. What a reward. What a reward when you are tired spiritually. When you don't have it in you. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest. What a reward. What a reward. Master and mentor. Master and mentor of what? Well, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. You know, a lot of times we don't want to be in that process of learning, especially if you're a student, especially if you're in those high school, college, later in life, whatever it is. You're done. You don't want to learn anymore. Folks, when we stop learning, we stop growing. Uh, And Jesus uses this illustration of the yoke where you would take two oxen and you would take a younger oxen that really doesn't know much about much, right? Um, And he's going to chew grass all day. And he doesn't know how to be productive. And you match him, you link him together at the neck with this yoke with a wiser, older, uh, savvy ox. You ever met a savvy ox? (laughs) I encourage you, don't talk in those terms publicly. Uh, And what happens is that that older ox, because they're linked together at the neck, learns because he's forced to learn. He's forced to learn how to do what's required to be productive. This is what Jesus says. This is how He uses the illustration. He says what? He says, take my yoke upon you. And by the way, the uh, stronger ox, the wiser ox is the one that does most of the pulling here. Right? As a matter of fact, He doesn't just do most of the pulling for the sake of productivity. He's pulling the one that doesn't want to move along. Jesus says, I will be that for you. I will be that for you. Is that a reward? Methinketh it is in the high king's speech. Power and position. What's he say? For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Have you ever run up against it, my friends, where you're saying, I don't have it anymore. This is bigger than me. This is way bigger than me. I can't build a sport court. I contributed a little bit of money towards that. But it's no—it would get a couple nets and some paint. With what I was able to do, even on a sacrificial level, I can't do that. But if I were to tell you that a church of 150, 160 adults raised close to $30,000 in two months, above and beyond what it takes to do things here, folks, newsflash: we can't do that. God can. How many of you have been praying for someone that their eyes would be open, their heart would be open to see the things of Christ and you've been praying for so long and you've been sharing and you've been talking you've been living the life, the example, and you're saying, I'm not getting anywhere. I can't do that. And then you saw God do the miraculous. How many of us in our own life have carried a burden for so long? It's been thrust on us. We never asked for it. And we carried it and we carried it and we carry it. And we carry it. And it's destroying us. And somehow, in some way, in God's perfect timing, He came alongside of us and He said, I'll give you rest. Trust me. Let me carry that burden for you. And somehow, we learn just to give that over to Him. Just to give it to Him. beautiful illustration of this in a movie that was a favorite movie of mine for years called The Mission. And Jeremy Irons, Robert De Niro, and, and Robert De Niro kind of has a come-to-Jesus moment, and yet he still struggles with penance. And so he carries all of his soldiers' armory in a net over his back as they're trudging through the jungles of South America. And the beautiful scene is him trying to go up this waterfall that's almost impossible for any man to do it, let alone carrying 200 pounds of armory. And he keeps going and he keeps going and he's slipping and he almost falls and dies. And, and others try to carry it for him and he fights them off. And they turn to the, the father who's played by Jeremy Irons and he said, how long are you going to let this happen? Jeremy Irons says something to the really effect of until he learns that he doesn't have to carry that burden anymore. Aren't we idiots? And what a beautiful picture of redemption when he learns it And He cuts it loose. And you just see this beautiful swell of emotion about this idea of being free from that which so easily entangles us. What about us? His yoke is easy. He can take care of anything for you and I. Amen? But the big question is, how badly do you still want to carry it? Can I just encourage you, if you do anything from this message, you wrestle with that point. And you do something about it this week. Forget this week. Do it today. There may not be a tomorrow at this rate. That's not a prophetic word. I haven't heard anything from God exactly. Just don't want to scare anybody. Let's go to the second point today. The reward of what? Of relationship with others. Now I'm just going to predicate this with my favorite verse. It's out of Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 or 9. And it says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man. I'm not talking about that. Well, that sounded very like Shakespeare in the park right there. But seriously, I learned that in my early 20s, that, that laying it out there, the risk of relationship, man, it's, you just get slapped in the face, right? You get burnt. Oh my goodness, that baby is adorable. She's so adorable. Hey, up here, right here. Come on, there you are. Sorry, I'm ADD in my preaching right now. Uh, your baby, Logan's adorable too. Um, it's just he wasn't staring at me. Um, I should move on now. Okay, the, the, this idea that, that, that he says that if we put all of our faith in man, faith in man to satisfy us and reward us, we're going to get burned. But blessed is the one, verse 7, blessed is the one who puts his trust, his faith in God. And he won't be burnt. He'll be able to survive. He'll be able to thrive. Now that should teach us what? Well, if I'm a horrible teacher, I would tell you don't ever have any relationship with anybody. Because they're going to fail you. Wiser words may have been preached from this pulpit. No. It's the idea with the deepness, with the deep things, you trust God first and foremost. With the other, you love. You love your neighbor. And we'll get into this. We'll break it down. So giving, that's the first point. How do I have a rewarding relationship with others? By giving. We have a society that says by receiving, don't we? Try this out, would you? By giving to others. Sharing is caring. Matthew 10, 40-42 Whoever receives you... Receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's what reward and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's what reward and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple truly I say to you he will by no means lose his what his reward. You see to live the gospel of Jesus Christ with others to fulfill what Jesus said in loving the Lord God your your loving the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and then loving your neighbor as yourself that the reward comes from the effort of loving and giving and it comes back to you That's countercultural But you you saw the Scripture, and you saw how it breaks down. You can turn to this passage in Luke. It's a little hard to see on the screen. There's a lot there. But the point is relevance. In your relationships, do you have relevance? Are you relevant to other people? Are other people relevant to you? You want to have a reward in your relationship? Be relevant. Got it? Well, what's that mean? Jeremy, how are you getting that? Well... Let's go to the the illustration of the the Samaritan, right? The good Samaritan. And he says this, But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? This is a follow-up to the royal law, right? And so the Pharisee says, Who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, With a story, as he masterfully would do. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. Who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest, thank you my group of guys, was going down that road and he saw him and he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, now what Jesus does is he used the people that should have been the first, should have been the ones that were really reaching out in relationship and caring for others. They had the most uh, understanding, responsibility, and um, task to do so, and they forego it. And the one that you would expect nothing from is the one who stops and fulfills the royal law. And it says this, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, what's it say? He had compassion. You want reward in your relationship with others? You've got to feel it. Don't do it out of routine. You've got to feel it. And he went to him. What is that? Action. You just think, oh, I really hope someone helps that person. He didn't just pray for him and walk on by. He went to him. And you're saying, well, where's the reward in this? He went to him and bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sent him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. And what? And took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. At great detriment to himself. He was committed. He was all in. You want a friend like that? I do. There's a reward. Why, why did those, the, the individual who was attacked and left for dead, why did he experience the reward of this individual? Well, the way Christ tells the story, it's because the love of Christ and the act of Christ and, and the message of Christ was being lived out in the Samaritan. Because of that love, there was a reward to the person who was beaten. What was going on with the other people that should have known? There was no reward. There was no reward for the person that was beaten and left for dead. What are we doing as a church, my friends? Are we playing it safe? then there will be no reward in your relationships. I understand it. I know why you're doing it, but there will be no reward in your relationships, or at least not the kind of rewards that we're looking for in real relationships. Uh, Third, satisfied. You want to be satisfied in your relationships. That's a reward, right? How many of you have ever gotten into a relationship and you thought, oh, this is going to be great, and it just didn't turn out anywhere close to what you thought it was going to be? And you weren't what? Satisfied. We have a lot of discontent people in marriages right now. Not, not here. I'm talking in general. But maybe we do have some here. The idea is that if we're going to have rewarding relationships, we want to be what? We want to be satisfied in those relationships. So how are we satisfied? We're content by what? Content. Very good. That loopy English language we have. What do I mean by that? Well, Romans 5, uh, 15, 1 through 2 says this, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Are you catching a theme here as to how to have a rewarding relationship? He says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. To what? To build him up. Let me just have you go here for a moment. Have you ever gained satisfaction because of doing something for somebody? And, and maybe in our minds we go there thinking about, well, yeah, I did that Mexico trip with the church and we went down and we built this house for people that were desperately need. Folks, it can simply be having a conversation with someone who's lonely, who would desperately love to have a conversation with anybody. It takes ten minutes on a phone to reach out and care for somebody. And it yields... Such a satisfaction. Such a satisfaction. What a reward. But we need to please our neighbor to build him up. Secondly, Ephesians 4.29. This is where we're really challenged and this is where one of our our key um, mission statement um, plays into this. This idea of edification. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion that it, may be, that it may give grace to those who hear. Wow. That one's hard, isn't it? That one's challenging. Especially if you live in a house that thrives on sarcasm. That can be very, very challenging. Now, how many of you have siblings? Raise your hands. And... As you remember that life with your sibling, especially in those junior high years, it was completely predicated off of building up the other person, wasn't it? Just imagine who we would be as a society if we did do that in our junior high years. Well we'd be a vastly different people. My friends, we can be content by the content of what we give. Does that make sense? Does that resonate for you? There's the reward. There's the reward with others. Building people up. I can stand up here and give a hundred great messages, but if I show up to one of your kids' Christmas plays and you had no idea I was coming, do you know how satisfied you are in our relationship as the pastor and the, and the, and the par, par, parishioner? I don't know what, what you guys are called. Friends. It means so much more. Yes, you you love hearing the Word. You love hearing the truth. But this is is the expectation. It's the demonstration of building up somebody and showing that you care. Following through. That starts to build a satisfaction. That starts to build that contentedness. Four, team. The X factor. Right? We just saw uh, the women's... Uh, national soccer team win world cup and decidedly right for how many of us (laughs) i can't remember her name carly carly what lloyd thank you now how many of you knew the name carly lloyd two weeks ago apparently i don't even know now right but there's an x factor in this idea of team is that how you see your relationships? So what I, I always preach this to my premaritals. That you are being brought together to become something much more... You would expect me to say something else. Uh-uh, something much more than what you could ever be individually. And that should be a priority in your marriage. You're making something new because two of you are coming together... Let's read the Scripture on this, Ecclesiastes 4, 7-12. through 12. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. And so what's the resolve? Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they toil, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can they keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The team idea in our relationships with others takes us beyond what we can do by ourselves. And if you've ever experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. It's special. It makes it deep. It it, it resounds and it brings a satisfaction. It brings a reward. It brings a reward. If your relationships are missing that team factor, do something about it. Do something about it. Growth. The last one, my last point today is growth. Maturity from mentoring. And this is some instruction that Paul gives to Timothy. Uh, as he's away from him, actually, Paul's about to face death, and he's giving this instruction to Timothy, and he says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And then look at what he says Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. This idea of growth. Do you have someone that's ahead of the game in your life that's pouring into you? If you don't, can I encourage you? You want a reward in relationship with others. Let someone pour into you. Let someone encourage you. Let someone admonish you. Let someone direct you. Push you a little bit. Invest in you. And you'll be better for it, and there will be a reward. That's what we can do for each other. If you're not currently doing that for someone else, you should be. I should be. And there's a huge reward to that. I have that reward sitting right here and and, and sitting out here. And that's that reward of relationship that draws into that deep sense of, of what we need from Christ and from others. Let me leave you with this idea. How can you start having rewarding relationships? Well, number one, start with Jesus. Remember that He wants relationship with you. Remember He's not exclusive. Remember He gives you peace and rest. Remember He wants to be a master and mentor to you. And that He has the power to overcome any adversary, anything you face. Secondly, what did we see about a relationship with others? If we're giving towards others, there will be a reward. If we wait for others to give to us, who knows? Right? Be relevant. Matter in somebody's life. Make a difference in someone's life. And then there will be what? Then there will be a reward. Be satisfied. Do the things that are required in order to be satisfied. Be content because of the content. Thirdly, X factor. Understand that you're part of a team. And look to work with somebody to do something bigger and greater than what you could possibly do yourself. And there will be a reward. Lastly, find someone that you can pour into, that you can encourage, that you can practice all these things with. And there will be a reward. Find someone who can do that with you. And see if there's not a reward in your own life. Let me share this last departing thought. You see that the greatest commandment is that we love God and that we love others. This is how we have real relationship. And then remember where we started this morning where Coolidge says that no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he what? Gave. Do you get the sense? Do you get the tenor of of what Christ says and how we can have rewarding relationships? It's through giving to others. It truly is. Now, there's one problem this is that thing where if you watch TV series, they hit you with some drama at the very end to hook you for next week. That all of that relationship and all that giving comes at a what? A risk. risk. Next week, come here about risk in relationships. But this week, take these concepts, take these principles And put them into practice. Knowing that you can have relationship that is rewarding with Christ. And you can have relationship that is rewarding with others. When we set about to give. Amen. Let me close in prayer and thank you all for being here today. Um, We do have a softball game tonight. So if you guys want to come out at 8.30 in this uncommonly uh, hot, hot weather. 720. We had two games. Boy, I'm not 30 anymore, Sam. What are you doing to me? Oh my! God. So much for the point on team. Okay. Yes, I know Mount Herman. I'm going to go to Mount Herman. All right. Let me close in prayer. <laughs> Father, thank you for our time together as a family today. And we pray that you take these words and instruct us and move us, um, just like the good Samaritan, that we would go, that we would respond, that we would react, first to you and then to others. Help us to find the reward in our relationships, God. To you be the glory. Amen.